check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the Adi Zero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. This is the show that focuses on the latest in health, healing, nutrition, fitness, everything we can do naturally to live a longer and hopefully a happier life. Everyone's invited uh, to listen into this show, whether you're into natural health or not, or from whatever whatever your background is. Hopefully, you can get some good tips from this show and the, the stuff that we share because it's all about sharing information and it's all about spreading the word about what's out there and what we can do in an alternative way uh, to uh, help you know basically uh, get our health uh, going on a you know on a better path so as always uh, this show is for educational purposes only it is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice of any kind and it's not intended to treat diagnose prevent or cure an illness so always consult your physician when you want to make major changes in your health now uh, a little bit different thing that's going on now. I'm going to be publishing the articles that I do on my Facebook page with Wellness Talk, and it's actually uh, facebook.com forward slash Wellness Talk. Again, it's a public page, so you can check it out whether you're on Facebook or not. But again, it's facebook.com forward slash Wellness Talk. You'll see all the articles that I post there, as well as I'm, I'm actually going to be posting the. Um, the uh, shows on there as well so anyone can listen to them as well or you can share them share it with your friends all right uh, so now that we got that out of the way I'm gonna go into the articles for this week uh, first article is from Byron Richards this is um, this is from wellness resources and it's called vitamin K prevents weight gain in postmenopausal women all right, well, we know, uh, we've known for a long time, obviously, that uh, when women reach the menopausal and postmenopausal uh, period in their lives, uh, many of them tend to have more problems when it comes to weight gain uh, or, or keeping their weight on track. And um, a lot of times it happens with women, you know, especially around the abdominal area, and, uh, the thighs and the hips and so on. And there's, you know, a number of reasons for that, but we've, they've found now that... Uh, one of the reasons also that that happens is because of vitamin K and uh, and I'm gonna I'll explain why but obviously you know when you're in that stage of your life uh, especially for women you it's harder 
uh, women have to kind of do more in that state of their, uh, stage of their life to help with uh, keeping their weight normalized uh, than they did when you know 20 or 30 years ago. So obviously, you know, there has to be a there has you you have to kind of go along with how your body's working because sometimes things that you do when you're 20 years old or 30 years old don't always work when you're 50 or 60 years old. So you know that that's something that has to be taken into account. But we're seeing now that a new study that shows that supplemental vitamin K can prevent weight gain during that time. So let's talk a little bit about vitamin K. Vitamin K, first of all, um, what it does is it produces what's, uh, it actually activates what's called osteocalcin. Now osteocalcin uh, is a uh, protein produced by your bones and by uh, and by your bone building osteoblasts. Now the osteoblasts in your in your system is basically what is what are your bone builders okay so you have two different you have two different uh, sections here you have the osteoblasts and the osteoclasts now the osteoblasts are what builds up your bones and then the osteoclasts is what takes your bone down so um, you know throughout your life you have the cycle that goes on from from when you you know when you're born and when you're growing and obviously, this process is accelerated when you're a, a, a child because of the you know enormous amount of growth that you're doing. So uh, you have these osteoblasts that are building bone, and then and then the osteoclasts take down the bone that's no longer used, and then there's new bone coming up, and so on and so forth. So now osteocalcin must be made biologically active, which requires vitamin K. Okay, so we know that vitamin K is very important in bone building. That's been known for a long time. Now, but what they found also later on in the last few years they've been studying on it is that that uh, osteocalcin is also released from your bones into your circulation where it behaves like a hormone. And it's associated with a blood sugar metabolism. So it's actually helping to keep your blood sugar regulated. And that's important. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because women who uh, get to, you know, who are older, especially postmenopausal women, there's huge drop in estrogen at that time. And that is basically like a bone jolt to your body, okay? And what that what what it does is it disturbs the osteocalcin production and activation. So, it's, you know, this is one of the things that leads to um that leads to weight gain because also if there's no osteocalcin being produced, then there's no blood sugar regulation uh, at that point, and um, you know that that can be a problem. So um, the researchers also had demonstrated that adequate vitamin K was associated with better body weight and less abdominal fat in younger adults. So it means that this is also an important overall metabolic health issue for anyone, especially women who are postmenopausal. Um, because you know they need to do whatever they can uh, to try to keep their weight in balance. So, vitamin K, we also know that it is responsible for uh, you know clotting as well in your body as well. And we know that the drug Coumadin, which we also call here rat poison, <laughs> um, blocks vitamin K. So, you know if you're on Coumadin type drugs as well, that's going to be a big problem uh, when it comes to the vitamin K in your body. But if you can get yourself on a good vitamin K regimen, especially if you're older, this is going to help not only your bones, because now there's two pathways involved. We're looking at not only the osteocalcin and the osteoblasts being, uh, being produced by vitamin K, but we're also looking at 
blood sugar metabolism in general being helped by vitamin K as well. So it's, it's a two-pronged approach in this area. So this is good news for women who are postmenopausal. So you can get vitamin K, you know, many times in a good multivitamin or just supplement of vitamin K, uh, good quality supplement of vitamin K if you find a good uh, company that has that. There are many of them out there that have a good that have good nutrients in them, have good vitamin K in them as well. So I would look into that because this is uh, very important, especially those who are struggling with uh, weight gain in, in those uh, later years. Okay, uh, next article. This is from uh, John Philip, and this is Natural News. And this is sufficient sleep is essential to fuel weight loss efforts. Well, we know uh, the average American is not getting enough sleep these days. Okay, uh, most people their average sleep time is like maybe five to six hours a night if they're lucky, because they've got a lot of things going on. Well, <clears throat> we've known that sleep is one of the most important things you can do <clears throat> in your whole wellness program. Well. I'm going to quote here, this is Canadian researchers publishing in the Canadian Medical Association Journal have released the results of a study showing that adequate sleep is an important part of a weight loss plan and should be added to recommended diet and exercise. Now, Dr. Jean-Philippe Chaput, and I hope I'm saying this right, of the uh, Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario Research Institute in Ottawa has, provide, uh, has provided sufficient evidence to show that inadequate sleep is an independent risk factor for obesity and um, just in general being overweight. <clears throat> so why is that so? <clears throat> well one of the things they're saying here is that uh, the scientists indicate that levels of the hormones leptin, ghrelin, cortisol, and orexin, all of which are involved in appetite and eating, are affected by a lack of sleep. So we know that sleep time is uh, one of the most important times because it's the time of the day or evening that your body does the most house cleaning. It's it's your it's your basic. It is a fat burning time if you let it be. So you what you have to do is you have to set the stage for it um, when you know before you go to sleep. And when, one of the ways you set the stage for it is number one is by <clears throat> leaving some space between the time that you eat and the time that you go to bed in the evening. So roughly it's about three hours because the, one of the things you do not want to do is eat before you go to bed and get your body into a, um, into a digestion mode, having to digest a meal right when you go to sleep. That's one of the biggest problems you have because when you do that, then your body is, doesn't go into house cleaning. Your body has to deal with the digestion and also it throws off a lot of the hormonal switches in your body that normally happen at night. So you have to set the stage for it first of all that's that's number one okay then what happens at night um, when you're when you're sleeping well I mean a lot of things happen but you gotta remember that if you're if you're not letting your body sleep or, or, or put it this way you're if you're not um, getting yourself adequate sleep or, or sleep or you're cutting it short then you're suppressing what's called a growth hormone now, growth hormone is naturally released at night while you sleep. So if you cut the sleep short, then your body doesn't have adequate time for repair. This means it will try to fix itself during the day if it can. Now, to do this, your body must release growth hormone during the day, which is not really the preferred time it's supposed to release it. 
this requires stimulation from ghrelin. Now ghrelin is what gives you your appetite signal, but in order for growth hormone to be released in your body, ghrelin also has to be stimulated. So unfortunately, ghrelin makes you crave and eat carbohydrates because it's part of your appetite signal. So you're going to be release, you're going to be dealing with that situation if you don't get your, you know, get your adequate sleep at night. Now, that's one problem. Now another problem is that if you're not sleeping enough at night, and if, if, if this process is going on for a long period of time, then you're going to be more tired during the day, during the day, you know, daytime hours. That's going to cause your body to also want to um, bring in the calories because if you're not getting enough energy, that means your body's going to want to start craving calories for it to get energy because that's what the body does. It's going to want you to eat more. So that's that's another thing that's going to happen. Uh, that's going to make you eat more as you you know going on through in the day. So, and then you also have to remember, that especially if you're dealing with weight loss, you, you know, if you're uh, if you uh, if you're on a weight loss program, you have to let your body do what it needs to do at night, and that requires enough sleep because you got to remember, in normal health, when you've eaten for about you know when you've eaten uh, after you've eaten for about um, well put it this way, three hours after you've eaten insulin levels return to baseline okay so now your pancreas makes a different hormone called glucagon now this hormone tells your liver to release sugar um, that it had stored to sustain your blood sugar level and this happens also while you eat but it also turns on your liver's fat burning uh, system so your liver has this fat burning system that 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 activates three hours after the meal now under the influence of glucagon your liver simultaneously uses sugar to f and fat to sustain your blood sugar so what happens is that it starts to burn the fat and uh... which you know clears up the levels of triglycerides in your blood and this happens at night also so um... you want your you want your liver to use this time to burn fat in the middle of the night so there's so many things that happen uh, when you're sleeping, when you're giving your body enough sleep, and if you're not, if you're not doing that, then you're, you know, you're missing out on all these things, which can lead to weight gain and excessive cravings during the day. So, again, you know, at least leave three hours from the time that you actually finish eating to the time that you sleep to let your body digest your meal and then to let your whole system do what it needs to do in the middle of the night, including secreting the growth hormone and letting your body clear out all the toxins and everything that it does and um, if you do that on a regular basis I think you'll be happy with the result so check it out alright uh, next uh, this is natural news also John Philip vitamin C and beta carotene help protect against Alzheimer's and dementia well um, we know that Alzheimer's and dementia is a huge huge problem nowadays um, and one in eight older Americans are dealing with it, and more than half are actually over the age of 80. So um, it's it's you know it's it's getting worse and worse as the time as you know as the years go on. Now we know the pharmaceutical industries are all lined up to try to make these wonder pills that try to um, you know help with this issue and try to uh, stop this issue, but they really haven't looked at. You know that's all they look for. They're not, you know, they're looking for the magic bullet to try to knock this out, but obviously it hasn't worked. So uh, let's see here. I'm going to quote this: University of Ulm in Germany. 
has been uh, published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. A research team headed by Christine, by Dr. Christine von Arnhem has discovered that the serum concentration of the antioxidants vitamin C and beta-carotene are significantly lower in patients with mild dementia than in controlled persons. So that's interesting. So they're finding that these are lower in people who have these problems. Um, this is what they have in common. So uh, what they did was because of the, they, they did some further examinations and uh, they did a study and they took 74 Alzheimer's patients and 158 healthy control patients. Now the participants were aged between 65 and 90 and uh, in this study they underwent uh, neuropsychological testing, they answered questions regarding their lifestyle, additionally their blood was examined for levels of key antioxidants, vitamin C, vitamin E, beta-carotene, lycopene, coenzyme Q10, and their body mass index was calculated. Now what they found was that the concentrations of vitamin C and beta-carotene in the serum of Alzheimer's patients were significantly lower than the blood of controlled subjects. Very interesting. Now we know that vitamin C and beta-carotene, what they do is they cross the blood-brain barrier where they help to uh, squelch you know, stress-related oxidation. Now we know that amyloid plaque and amyloid proteins is one of the things that they found that was also that was leading into the Alzheimer's uh, dementia, Alzheimer's uh, disease. So, what they did was with these two antioxidants, they found that they both synergistically promote the normal clearance of amyloid proteins to help protect against Alzheimer's and dementia. So, think about it: two of the biggest and most basic antioxidants on the planet, vitamin C and beta carotene, working together to help clear out amyloid proteins to uh, prevent uh, this disease. That's huge. That's huge. And, I, and to me, in my opinion, this is where science should be looking. Because, they, I mean, you know, they can go along this path of trying to find a pill that's going to help this. But we're already seeing signs of this in the natural world with vitamin C and beta-carotene. So in my opinion, this is where they should be looking. Um, and they should do a lot more studies with this because um, it really looks promising. So I would add in there as well B12 because B12 um, is huge when it comes to uh, dealing with cognitive decline, uh, mental impairment, those types of things. B12 um, not only does it help you with your energy but it also crosses the blood-brain barrier and helps um, with people with these types of illnesses as well and they've done studies to show that. So on top of vitamin C, beta-carotene, I would throw in B12 on top of that. Um, I think that's a uh, that's something people can use in their toolbox um, not only to f for people who have this problem, but also people who want to prevent uh, this problem as they get older. So these are some things to look at. Okay, now we're going to look at, uh, let's see, yeah, we're going to look at some functional strategies and some natural strategies to help maintain a healthy blood pressure. Well, we know a good number of people are on blood pressure medications as their doctors have put them on uh, blood pressure medications and some of them for an entire life. Now here's some of the numbers from the CDC 
uh, according to uh, Thomas Frieden, high blood pressure is a public health enemy number two. The CDC says 36 million people in the U.S. have uncontrolled high blood pressure, and that, and of that, 14 million don't even know it. Now, interestingly, 16 million Americans who are on blood pressure medications still don't have their blood pressure under control. So that's that's very troubling if you if you really look at the numbers here. Now, what does that mean? Well. If you look at the, the the average blood pressure, you know, obviously they they look at normal blood pressure, you know, 120 over 80 is the average, and you know, blood pressure 101, you're basically your one your your high number, your systolic blood pressure, let's say 120 is the arterial uh, systolic blood pressure, and that's the high that's the highest pressure in your arteries, and that occurs when your um, when your ventricles contract at the beginning of your cardiac cycle. Then you have the diastolic pressure, which refers to the lowest arterial pressure, and that's when you're in the resting phase of this whole cardiac cycle. So you have the high pressure, and then you have the resting phase, and those give you your basics, your your two numbers. Okay. So now, uh, this Dr. Rosedale explains that they have found that insulin resistance um, has known also to promote hypertension and this was actually published in 1998 in the journal of diabetes um, and they, they found that nearly two-thirds of the test subjects who were insulin resistant also had high blood pressure now why is that so we're explaining it here first of all insulin stores magnesium which relaxes your muscles but if your insulin receptors are blunted and your cells grow resistance to insulin which happens to many people you can't store magnesium anymore now, basically, it simply it's basically passes out of your body through urination. So, if your magnesium level is too low, your blood vessels will constrict, which will raise your blood pressure and decrease your energy level. So we know that magnesium is a uh, it relaxes your endothelial cells, it relaxes the lining of your arteries. So if you're low on magnesium, uh, which happens in insulin resistance. This is, this is a problem which raises your blood pressure. Uh, number two, insulin also affects your blood pressure by causing your body to retain sodium. And we know also that women who are, uh, during their menstrual phases, they, um, they, their, their sodium goes high, they retain sodium, and they're low on magnesium. So that's another issue. But sodium retention causes fluid retention. And fluid retention, in turn, causes high blood pressure. So that's number two. That's another problem. And number three, excessive fructose. Now we know people are consuming high fructose corn syrup these days and fructose from all different types of things, but excessive fructose breaks down into a variety of waste products and one of them is uric acid. Now uric acid drives up your blood pressure by inhibiting the friendly nitric oxide in your blood vessels. Now nitric oxide is also what um, helps maintain the elasticity in your blood vessels okay so now if you're suppressing the nitric oxide oxide levels uh, this can cause an increase in blood pressure so this is another problem so we know that there blood pressure can uh, be raised by a number of different factors stress and that type of thing as well but there are also some uh, you know there are there is the physiological ways that it can happen as well and it's all you know it all works together synergistically so what can we do 
to help naturally besides taking the drugs. And again, those of you who are on uh, blood pressure medications that want to get off them, obviously you want to work with your physician uh, before anything to help you slowly but surely get off that medication or lower the dose or whatever it has, whatever has to be done. Now, that's the big thing. And do, you know, people that I talk to about it, that's the first thing I tell them if they're on medication, they have to work with their doctor. But one of the biggest things, and the big thing in my opinion, that helps to, br to regulate blood pressure above anything else, and I will debate this with anyone, is the right amount of exercise. Exercise is vital to regulating blood pressure. Exercise, the effect of exercise to me is better than any drug you can take out there as far as um, sustaining normal blood pressure because you're pumping, you're, it, it's forcing your heart to pump the blood. Remember, your heart is a muscle. Your heart needs to be exercised. Your heart needs to, 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 your heart needs to pump. It needs to pump that blood through your vessels because you got to remember your your blood pressure goes up when you exercise and everything goes up when you exercise. But then, once you're done with the exercise, there is this there's this nice relaxation that happens in your blood vessels and in your body, and that's what you're looking for. Because once you start exercising on a regular basis, then you're able to uh, get that 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 nitric oxide and everything that's friendly in your body to help that bring that. Uh, you know that normal level that you're looking for okay so um, number one is exercise now what could we do supplementally to help with uh, blood pressure well first thing is calcium and magnesium that's huge because we know again that um, magnesium is suppressed um, or can be suppressed and if your magnesium is suppressed that's going to um, lead to problems in your blood vessels so you want to bring up your magnesium so calcium and magnesium have been known to uh, help be useful in lowering blood pressure. Number two, vitamin C and vitamin E. Studies sh uh, show that these vitamins are very helpful in lowering blood pressure, but you want to make sure that you're getting the right ones, especially vitamin E. Do not use synthetic forms of vitamin D. Do not use the DL-tocopherol or DL-tocopherol forms of vitamin E because they are synthetic. So make sure if you're taking your vitamin E, that you look in the back of your bottle, make sure it does not say D-alpha-tocopherol because it is synthetic. Throw it away. You want your D-alpha-tocopherol or D-beta-tocopherol or your mixed tocopherols. That's what you're looking for. Another thing you want to look for is DHA, which is the most important part of vitamin E. DHA is extremely important when it comes to um, blood pressure and overall inflammation in your body. Another thing you want to look at is olive leaf extract. Now, in 2008 study supplementing with a thousand milligrams of olive leaf extract daily over eight weeks caused a significant dip in both blood pressure and LDL cholesterol in people with borderline hypertension. So that was a two-pronged approach coming from one nutrient. So that's that's very important. And acupuncture combined with electro, uh, electrical stimulation has shown to temporarily lower elevation in blood pressure in animals by as much as 50%. So that, that, that looks promising as well. Obviously, more studies have to be done on that. So, you know, those of you who, uh, who are on blood pressure medications, if you're looking at alternative ways to manage it, again, work with your doctor. But these are some things, these are some tools you can use in your tooth, on your toolbox to help with blood pressure problems. And I think overall it'll help you 
um, you know, hopefully uh, be able to manage it better. Okay, and uh, our final article this week. Uh, those of you who are into juicing or like to juice, I, uh, I'm into juicing, I love juicing. Um, it's one of the healthiest things you can do to your body to flood your body with 100% of these juices on a regular basis. Um, many people have said, um, this is, and this is from an article from Wellness Times by Mar Marlena Torres, many people have said that they can't afford to juice, they can't afford a juicer, or juicing is just too expensive. Well, number one, the, uh, the uh, juice, a juicer can, you can get a, a very good juicer for about $100, and um, <clears throat> it'll last you a long time, especially if you take care of it. So um, that's one thing you have to look at. But here in this article, she gives some tips on those of you who are on a budget and um, and want to juice, but you know who are, who want to do it within your budget. So these are just some some ways you can do it. Number one, juice seasonally. Okay, so get, getting locally grown produce will save you some money and also deliver more of the vital nutrition because it's going to taste better. If you if you do it when everything's in season and you you know go to your local grocery store or your local farmers market to get what's in season, so if you juice seasonally, that's a great thing to do. Number two, buy the produce in bulk from your local health food store. Now, if you go to the big box stores like Costco or Sam's Club, a lot of times you can get carrots and apples and all these different types of things. You can get them in bulk, and <clears throat> you know many times even you can get. Uh, you can get carrots, you know, maybe a five-pound bag of carrots for you know three or four dollars. So um, you know, if you buy them in bulk, they're going to last you longer, and um, and you know that'll that'll you know go a long way as far as your juicing goes. Number three, juice only as often as it feels manageable to you. Now you don't have to juice every single day if it's too overwhelming. If you don't want to start there, um, you know, what you can do is maybe uh, juice two or three times a week. You know, I mean, to me, it's better than nothing. Okay, so if you, even if you're getting that juice into you, you got to remember that when you juice, you're getting a, you're getting as close to 100% of the nutritional value of that juice as possible. So, even if you're juicing two or three times a week, you're still getting more than what the average person consumes on a regular basis when they eat these vegetables because they don't get 100% uh, of the uh, nutritional value when they eat when they eat it because a lot of times they're they're um, cooking these vegetables way too much. You know they're not consuming it raw, and you know when you cook when you cook it or if you microwave it and you're you're you know whatever however way you're cooking it if you're not steaming it you're losing uh, at least 60 percent of the, uh, of the value of the nutrients in that in the uh, in the vegetables. So you know you can juice things like carrot, romaine, lettuce, cucumbers, celeries. Um, I juice on a regular basis apples and carrots, three carrots to two apples this is an excellent juice. Your kids will love it because it's sweet enough, especially if you're using the red delicious apples. Those are great and it makes it nice and sweet. You can even throw a little bit of ice there if you, those of you who like your drink a little colder. But carrots, beets, celery, cucumber, romaine lettuce, those are all excellent to juice. And um, again, you can get yourself a juicer for about $100. And um, you know, juice your way to better health because I think it's one of the best things to do. In my opinion, it's probably the top thing to do uh, as far as you know, getting your health on the right track, or at least you know, 
maintaining your health uh, you know on a regular basis so uh, those of you who like juicing you're doing great things and those of you who don't you know who who maybe don't want to juice but um, want the next best thing again those of you who are on your powders on your green powders and your um, and your, your green and your red powders you're still you're you're getting the concentrated forms of this you're still getting great nutrients in it so keep using those on a regular basis okay and uh, I'm gonna uh, finish off with a question here that I got this is from John and John asked um, I'm looking for a way to detox and I need some opinions on how's the best way to detox now John you didn't um, in your email you didn't um, specify which type of detox you wanted to do there's different types of detox to do there's uh, a liver detox there's a colon detox there's all different types so I'm gonna give you my opinion on it John and um, it, again it may not be exactly what you want to hear but um, this is just my opinion on the whole detox process first of all I'm not big on the um, you know two-week strict detoxing with uh, apple juice and maple syrup and cayenne pepper and all these types of things I'm not really big on that reason why is because um, a lot of people have done that they've done it on their own they've read on a website or they read it through a book and then they do it and they've messed themselves up big time they've they've hurt themselves they've caused more problems and they and then they don't have a way to deal with those problems uh, if those problems are created because you gotta remember everybody's body chemistry is different so I'm not really big on those unless you do it with somebody or a, a naturopathic physician who knows exactly what they're doing and they can follow your progress so in my opinion if you're gonna do a detox do it with somebody like that but what I would do and what I have done is more of a natural or more of a safe detox it may not be as extreme as those but it's still it's a great way to detox and get your liver working great um, number one um, what you can do is do kind of a mini fast okay uh, one way to do a fast is you can eliminate one meal in your day or maybe a couple of times a week eliminate a meal so you know have your breakfast and lunch and eliminate dinner or you know have a or 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 you know I would eliminate breakfast I would say maybe eliminate lunch or dinner or or what I, or even better have a protein shake in place of one of those meals so and what that'll do is because the protein will uh, um, will be metabolized by your liver and it will help your liver start that fat burning process so those of you who are looking to detox and lose weight at the same time that'll help to wake up your liver to get the process moving um, so that's one of the things I recommend is maybe to take out a meal and replace it with a good quality protein shake another thing you can do is to uh, add uh, chlorella to your detox process now chlorella is a is a great uh, nutrient that you can use and it's a lit it's in your, uh, many times it's in your green powders but you can get it as a supplement anywhere especially from a good quality company and you can use that because chlorella will go into your into your um, into your system and into your fat and it'll chelate it'll chelate and it'll take out the heavy metals and the mercury and the toxins that are in your system and then on top of that I would take the chlorella and then combine that with a um, with a high quality fiber 
And those of you, you know, who want to get a good high quality fiber, maybe the 40 to 50 grams of fiber a day, combine that with the chlorella because once the chlorella takes it out, the fiber is going to bind to it and help get it out of your system. So that's a, a good safe way to detox in my opinion and I've seen that work in many people um, and um, and it's it's not as, again it's not as strict as these liver detoxes and those types of things you got to remember these liver detoxes um, you know people do them and again they don't know what they're doing and they end up causing more harm than good because they're detoxing um, but then bile gets mixed in with it, and if the bile is being released at the wrong time, it can, call bile, it can cause bile burn in your digestive tract and lead to all sorts of problems. So you don't want to get into those issues. So my opinion would be, again, to uh, maybe take out a meal, maybe do or maybe one or two protein shakes a day. That's a great way to stimulate things. And use chlorella and use uh, high fiber. Um, on a regular basis to help detox and I think you'll you'll be pleased with the results of that so that's just my opinion on the whole detoxing thing but again it's a safe way to do it um, you know so uh, that's my opinion on that hope that helps you John and uh, again if you have a question um, what you can do uh, what I would suggest you do if you have a question for me um, go to um, facebook.com forward slash wellness talk and uh, you can uh, type in your question and uh, you know email me a question. I'll be happy to answer it for you to the best of my abilities. Those of you who want to do consulting with me can do it through there as well. Um, feel free to let me know. Otherwise, that's pretty much it for this week's edition of Wellness Talk. I will be back again next week uh, with another edition of Wellness Talk. And until then, have a great week, everybody, and be well. Some read self-help books, others use meditation. At New Balance, it's believed that peace can be found with a run. The lessons learned while running your race are a blueprint for overcoming obstacles and achieving balance in life. Go beyond the run at newbalance.com. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com listen. That's thefarmersdog.com listen.